Hey guys, this is Jeff. I'm on the Entrified Podcast tonight. I've got a very special guest. He's our minister, Brother Richard Clifton. He's been in the uh, ministry for many, many years, and it's truly an honor to have him on tonight. But I wanted to introduce you, Brother Clifton. Like I said, it's such an honor tonight. Tell us a little bit about your ministry and over the years that you've, what you've experienced in some of those things. Thank you so very much. I'm very honored uh, that you would invite me to come and be part of this, uh, this setting, this podcast. Um, it makes me sound very old, and I am an antique. I do know that. I started preaching in the late 60s, and, and I'm not going to tell you how long that is, but if you can count, you know that's well over 50 years that I have been preaching and in uh, full-time either preparation or ministry. I was uh, actually began pastoring my first church when I was 21 years old. And uh, that was uh, 48, 49 years ago. And so I've, I've, been, I've been in this a long time. It's basically all I have done my, since I was a teenager. I started preaching. I'm still a teenager. Yes, sir. You know, we was talking before we got started tonight, in which we do a lot of business-oriented things, leadership, mindset, and that type of thing. But Brother Clifton, we was talking about keeping first things first. You know, and at the root of – what I want to be involved with with my life is I want to make sure that my Christian walk is right first. And we're talking about a story. Maybe he can uh, tell us a little bit about more about that. But if you guys have you, you know, you're, let's say you're a leader or you're working for somebody, the number one thing in my opinion in your life, regardless what else you accomplish is making sure that you've got your relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. And that really is step number one. And I, I was going to ask Brother Clifton if he would share that story. We was talking about it before. Brother Clifton, can you tell us a little bit about what you was talking about earlier? Bobby Bowden is a retired college football coach, spent more than 50 years in that profession. Before he retired at age 80 back in the year 2009, he uh, was a, uh, won, won more than 400 games, two national championships, several cha- uh, regional championships, He's a motivational speaker, a Christian gentleman that has shared his testimony, uh, not only in churches, but in, in motivating people. But one of the stories that Coach Bowden tells out of the hundreds of stories and events and illustrations that he's experienced in all those years as a coach and, and uh, in the college environment goes back to the days when he was a college baseball player. And he came to bat one day and had never hit at that particular time a home run in his college career. And that day it happened. He nailed the ball uh, to the far right corner of the infield and he ran like a man with his pants on fire. He ran around first base. The third base coach was flagging him. He crossed uh, second base as he run toward third. They was giving him the go ahead sign and as hard as he could go, and he beat the throw. He scored an infield home run. The stands were electrified. They were shouting, jumping, screaming. The coaches were on their feet applauding high fives all around. I mean, it was an electrifying moment. The ball was put back in play. The pitcher took the ball, throwed it to the first baseman, touched the bag, and the umpire said, you're out. And all of a sudden, the shouting stopped, and the cheering was over, and the coach and and uh, Bobby Bowden said, but what do you mean I'm out? I, I hit the ball. I, it was in, in play. I beat the uh, throw to, first, uh, to a home plate. I, I made it. And the umpire said, yes, but you missed first base. 
And Coach Bowden would use that illustration, as he has done many, many times, and share, no matter what you accomplish, no matter what you do, no matter what everybody's saying, no matter how many people are patting you on the back, if you don't keep first things first, nothing else matters. And there's so many illustrations that can spin off of that. So many in business, there's people that uh, operate uh, outside of the realm of integrity and ethics and people are patting them on the back and telling them how wonderful, how successful. But if they don't keep first things first, sometimes that house of cards will come tumbling down. And I, I have used that on more than one occasion. I talk about the Jesus, his first sermon, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, uh, at that uh, at term, seek first the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, they're interwoven together, they're, they're interchangeable. Uh, in the word of God, it'd be like me saying, I bought a new car, and you said, what kind of an automobile? We're not talking about two vehicles. It's just different terms. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, they're intertwined in the New Testament. And Jesus said, seek that, not the not this earth's kingdom. We're told that one of these days, there will not be a brick left on top of one another. Uh, we had a little plaque that hung on the, uh, the uh, kitchen wall when I was a boy growing up, and I'll never forget it. It was this very simple thing. It said, it is a short life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last you see we can seek all the wealth all the riches of this world but if we don't if we don't keep first things first seek god seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness now there we get into that thing they were patting him on the back and cheering him on and uh, it looked like he had done a great thing but he did not touch first base he had missed something and Jesus said in that same Sermon on the Mountain, talking about the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, when I was a boy and I'd hear, I'd hear sermons preached and I'd read passages, I thought those, those guys must be a bunch of drunkards, they must have a bunch of infidels. And then when I studied and got a little bit older, I found out the scribes and Pharisees were actually the religious rulers. They were the ones yeah. that were in charge of the temple. They, they did all the things. They did all the rituals and, and everything. They memorized not passages of scripture not verses or chapters but literally books of the bible they prayed uh, hour by the hour they fasted two full days every week they give not only their tithe but the bible says they give their alms their their offerings to the poor and benevolent. if anybody was looking at them they would say these guys have hit a home run they would pat them on the back and say look how wonderful they are Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, there's no way you're going to heaven. Nicodemus in the third chapter of John was a um, uh, Pharisee, and he came to Jesus and said, how can I get to heaven? Jesus quoted him some of the Ten Commandments, and he said, I'm, I'm a Pharisee. I've, I've been religious. I've done all these good things. Jesus said, one thing you're lacking. He'd miss first base. You must be born again. So when we think about there have been people that the world pats them on the back. They've hit a home run. They've done great things. They've made a lot of money. They've given benevolence to the poor, and they've, they've helped organizations all over the world. But if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they've missed first base. And I that's think that's what's really important. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, and um, a lot of times you can read the Bible. You can be in church, and some people may have that question of how do I know there's a God? I believe the Holy Spirit, Brother Clifton, and you tell me what you feel about this. You know, God, when he sends his word out, he says that he won't come back void. 
The right. Holy Spirit will convict the heart, and you will know that that what what is being said is right because the Holy Spirit will convict you. And I believe that is God's invitation to that person at that time. You know, I believe it says that you you know that you'll be convicted. But uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because I have been in several churches. I grew up in churches. I've, I went to a private school, you know, and I got to be honest, in this day and time, this clarity is needed. It, it really is. I'd like to talk about more about how the Bible says to seek God. I mean, you know, I believe it is that drawing. I mean, would you agree with that? That drawing is necessary. There's something about the human nature that cries out for a higher power. There are those that are um, intellectual that would say there, there's a higher power, the, the universe, and there are religions that teach there are a multitudes of gods. But I think th this world did not evolve. I don't care what anybody says about monkeys and anything else. This world did not evolve. This world is a direct creation of God Almighty. There's no, I, I, I would have more faith that you could put up thousand pieces of uh, metal in a box and shake it up for a hundred years and out would come a 747 jet than to think that this world, this universe that I live in just evolved. Uh, you know, a monkey uh, evolved out of the uh, woods one day and became a man and that's where we all came from. There's no way in the world this universe. And Jesus Christ was very clear when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There is one God, there's one creator, there is one Redeemer, one Savior, one Emancipator, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we serve a God that's, that, that has declared, if we will give our lives to him, that he'll give eternity to us. We, God made a covenant with Adam and Eve in the very beginning. The third chapter, he talked about when Adam and Eve sinned, and he said there's going to come one that's the first Messiah prophecy, the Messianic prophecy, uh, that's going to crush the head of Satan. And then at the 12th chapter of Genesis, the Abrahamic uh, covenant where God said, there's going to come one from among you that shall be the redeemer and the emancipator of mankind. And uh, that came out of the Israelite nation. He said, it's going to come from the tribe of Judah. It's going to come from the household of David. There's no way that you can write 4,000 years of Old Testament history and have 40 or more individuals that would write that and every one of those things interlaced together without any conflict. It was He was born uh, from the tribe of Judah, from the Israelite nation, out of the house of David. And some would say the Bible is a conflict, just to follow up on that, because Matthew and Mark have different genealogies. Jesus is the son of, and then all of a sudden, it's just a whole different genealogy. Uh, but but one use goes through uh, 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 Joseph, Mary's husband, which was not the biological father, but the Jews always fathered, followed the father's line. So if you mm -hmm. follow it back, Jesus on his stepdad, if you please, side, he was, a, he was 14 generations back. If you followed on Mary's side, they followed it on her dad, which that's biological. And both of those go back to the family of David. Every possible uh, prophecy was fulfilled. There's one God, Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ of the New Testament. And he said again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God made that covenant. The word covenant's 292 times in the Bible. It's, it's, a, it's a pact. It's a vow. It's a promise between two people. If you do this, I'll do that. 
if you give me so much money, I'll give you the title to my pickup truck. We can shake hands, have a document notarized, go to the uh, courthouse. The highest covenant was when a husband and wife make their vows before a minister uh, or an official and make their wedding vows. But the highest vow of the universe, the covenant, is between God and man. It's, it's vertical, not horizontal. When God said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What God's saying, I'm making a covenant. And my covenant is my son, Jesus is going to die. And if you'll give your life, if you'll surrender to him, that word believe is not just, well, I believe it really happened. That's a commitment. That's a consecration. That's a covenant that we make with God, that we say we accept Jesus Christ as our savior. And when we do that, God said, you will spend eternity in heaven with me. I thank God for that covenant that he made from all men. And it's not just for one people or one place, but it's once and for all mankind forevermore, that vow, that covenant was made. And I thank God for it. I believe that repentance of coming before God, you know, and just asking God, forgive me for my sins. You know, I'll be honest with you, Brother Clifton. My very best is not good enough. My very best is not good enough without God. And the thing of it is, is I need God in every area of my life. You know, a lot of people, they look at it, oh, well, I need God over here, but I don't need God over here. I've got that part. I can confess to you that I need him in every area of my life, professionally, personally, Absolutely. in every area of my life, you know, and I, I'll be talking with people and I can feel God using me. I can feel God there with me when, when there's situations going on. He guides me. You know, and I think a lot of people, I don't know, I hope a lot of people has experienced that, but God wants to be in every area of your life. You know, a lot of people, they want to lock him in and it's just, oh, well, he's, he's only here on Sundays. You know, that's not a personal relationship. Right. I really feel like what he wants is he wants those areas. That, he wants those areas you don't want to talk about. He wants those areas you bring that to him and say, because really, ultimately, God knows about it anyway. He knows about it anyway. So if I would encourage the people out there, if you're seeking God, confess your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that's the first base. That's the first thing. Exactly. You've got to hit that first base because without Christ, we're not worthy. We have become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, not in our own works. We cannot ever get to that point we're good enough. You know, and that's that's one thing that we need to check often. Even when you become saved, when you reach that point where you've you've accepted Christ in your heart, when you feel that conviction feeling of, of God, God, you know, am I you check yourself. I mean, it's a it's a daily walk. I mean, you know if you're walking with God or not. Because exactly. God will let you know if you have that personal uh, close relationship with him. So I would encourage the people out there. You know, I believe God will draw you. The Holy Spirit will draw you to him. But that is the proof. When God's drawing you, he's telling you, hey, my word is correct. Come to me, you know. So I would encourage you to repent of your sins and, and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because that is, you're starting a whole new walk. You're starting a whole new relationship. Right. Like you said there a moment ago, all of our goodness is not good enough. Isaiah said it like this, all of our righteousness, all my good deeds, all my home runs, if you please, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. I can only be righteous through the work of God in me. 
And if I try and make it to heaven because I'm a good person and, and think I've, I'm good enough and all the things I do is good enough, how tragic it would be to get to heaven and God say, yeah, but you, yes, but you missed first base. You did not make a commitment. You did not invite Jesus into your life. You did not ask forgiveness of your sins. You ran the bases. You hit the ball hard. You beat the throw home. Everybody's cheering. But if God says you missed it, then I'm telling you, it's like the umpire. There was no arguing. Uh, it was done. He was out. There was no do-overs. That was all there was to it right there in that situation. I agree with you. I agree with you. How do we, and I want to talk briefly about this, and I don't want to run really long on time for you guys that's listening, but I want to talk about just a minute on how Christians can try to make sure that we have a better walk. My opinion on that is going to church, going and getting fed. You know, I've always heard, you know, that if you're always out pouring, you know, you got to be filled up sometime, you know, and that's, that's one of the thing with, with a godly walk and making sure if you're out here and you're never going into church or you're never, you're never around anybody that, uh, that is Christians, you're going to lose something in that. You're going to lose some kind of, you know, faith in regards to your walk. So I believe the first step is getting it, you know, with like-minded believers. I believe that's what God and Christ wanted. What do you think? Brother Cliff? Bible says in the book of the, of uh, Hebrews, um, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is. I've had people say to me, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's, that's true. I was raised on a farm. I've been around the animal kingdom. We have pigs and, and, and cows and so forth. And a cow doesn't have to be with the other cows. It's still a cow, but it's not content. They, you, cows move around in herds. And though they may scatter a little bit, but when it all comes down to it, when, when my dad would step out on the back, and, and called the cows home, which I've heard him do many times, they would all start gathering immediately, go in the same direction. And I think that's something that we need to um, realize. But, you know, the Lord spoke to me one time. People say, well, I, I go to church. I'm in church an hour or two hours a week, and, and that's all there is to it. And, uh, you know, I played basketball when I was in high school, a little bit in college, and we would have a, what we call a pep rally. Uh, on Friday night before the ball game that Friday night or Saturday night, we'd gather the last 30 minutes of school and the coach would get up, he'd make a little speech and the cheerleaders would, would cheer and, and, and carry on. But that wasn't the event. That was just preparation for what was going to happen later on. And, you know, the Lord spoke to me one time. It's kind of like church. We come in, we sing our songs and we make our announcements and we preach our sermons and people go home and say, well, that's it. No, that's, that's, that's the marching orders. That's the cheering. Uh, that, that's, that's like the pep rally. Now, it, Jesus said when he met with the disciples, his last words were, don't, don't just go to the upper room and preach to one another and pray to one another and sing to one another. Go into Jerusalem, preaching, teaching, baptizing. And our call, our commission, I like what one church uh, marquee said, every member is a minister, not a pastor, not an evangelist but we have a mission or a ministry to fulfill as we go out and uh, we can come to church, but we, it's gotta be, you know, if I, I like buffets, if I go to buffet Sunday afternoon and I don't eat anything until next Sunday afternoon, at some point I'm going to start being malnourished. I, I've got to yeah. get a cup of coffee and a slice of bread and a, and a hamburger through the week once in a while. And the same way spiritually from one Sunday morning, pep rally, cheering section, service, the encouragement until the next week, 
we need to realize we're soldiers in the army of the Lord, and we've been commissioned to go forth and make disciples out of everybody that we meet. That's our obligation. That's our calling, not just the pastors or the missionaries or the teachers, but every born-again child of God. Jesus didn't say, all you preachers go preach. He said, go ye, everybody, and advance the kingdom of God. Yes, and I looked at a lot of these things. It's back to the basics. You know, at times in my life, I've sought out different things in Christianity. They're not necessarily ungodly things, but when I started looking at my walk, my walk still needed work and those back to the basics things you know treating people i mean god said it he said you know love the lord thy god with all thy heart mind soul and strength right he's paraphrasing a little bit and then love thy neighbor as thyself that's the second commandment and he's talking about like i said i'm paraphrasing a little bit but he says all the laws hang on these two things i mean if we could try to love people and that i'm talking about a godly love here okay so becoming to Christ, I believe God gives you that kind of love. I don't believe it's something that you obtain on your own, number one, because there's, it has to be a godly love. It has to come from God. And that first base, we've talked about it before, and we've talked about it during this podcast. That's the number one thing. But God puts a love inside. He said, you will love the brethren. You know, but that's important that we always go back to the, back to the basics. What did God tell us to do? You know, he said, accept me, you know, and then love your neighbor, you know, do good to those that despitefully, you know, despitefully use you. Some of those things, I mean, they sound hard and they are without God. If we're doing it on our own volition and we're not praying for God to help us, it's a, it's a long, hard road. It is right. You know, but ultimately this, what I wanted to talk about tonight with these podcasts was coming back to the basics, making sure that you got first things first. And Brother Clifton brought that out tonight. I didn't know. We talked a little bit before about it. I didn't know. I hadn't heard that story until we talked about it. But it fit right into what I wanted to bring tonight, guys. I wanted to bring you the, the number one thing, and that's having Christ the center of everything in your life. And I hope you've got that tonight. I hope that, that you've seen the message that it's not – I'm doing this because I'm hoping it'll be a witness and a help to you guys. And I want to thank Brother Clifton for being here tonight. I really, I've really been excited about this podcast. I think it's been really good. I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, I thank you, Brother Clifton, for being here. There may be people that's listening, and I don't know if this is protocol or not, that we have an international platform that really don't even know what we're talking about. They, they don't have churches where they are. I've been in different parts of the world that – they, they don't have access to it. It's so easy to become a Christian, to, to accept Christ. Lord, I'm sorry for every sin that I've committed, anything I've done displeasing to you. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and life. Help me to live for you, serve you all the days of my life, that I might spend eternity in heaven. And, you know, if you pray that prayer and you really mean it, Jesus will forgive you. And uh, the first thing that one needs to do is, 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 is um, learn to pray every day. If, if the prayer is not more than five or ten seconds, Lord, help me. Help me to serve you. Help me to live for you. And that will go on. Uh, a, a baby that's a year old doesn't get up and make 15-minute speeches. They'll do that later on. We, so we try and get them to learn to talk, and then we're trying to get them to stop talking. But, uh, you know, if we, uh, the longer we do it, the more that we do it, it becomes comfortable. It's like, it's like uh, a conversation with a best friend. Then 
then uh, read your Bible, get a Bible and read John's gospel. That's the easiest one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it's the one that would be most familiar. And then find a church that you can get into that's a Bible-believing church and pray, pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Uh, read your word, pray every day, and go to church, and you will grow daily in your relationship with the Lord, and he will help you to always keep first things first. Thank you, Brother Clifton. I hope you all enjoyed it. Have a great night.